This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, back at it for another fantastic week. Very excited about what's going to be coming up here, not only on the radio station, Raider Nation Radio 920, but also with the organization, with the football team, the Raiders, as they are in training camp officially. Five days are in the book, and tomorrow... The pads go on. So there's been a lot of excitement. There's been a lot of guys that have been making some noise in training camp. There's been a lot of speed that I've seen out there on the field. There's been a lot of positive. A lot of good has come out of the first five days of of training camp. But tomorrow, it starts to get real as the pads go on. It just kind of intensifies everything a little bit more. Very excited about the opportunity to be out at the facility in Henderson and check out that padded practice tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And then be followed by a little bit of a media session. Head coach John Gruden will meet with the media uh, as well as some selected players. And uh, just don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because it's still Monday. <laughs> you know, still want to talk about what was able to see today from practice, but very excited about seeing the pads go on tomorrow and see who's going to go out and, and somewhat show out a little something. Because, look, there's a 90-man roster right now. There's a lot of really good players out there competing for roster spots, but there's only 53 that could be on the active roster. So the Raiders are going to have them a, a, a tough job on their hand. They're going to have to cut down the roster, and there's going to be some talent that other teams are going to look at and say, ooh, didn't expect that guy to get cut, or ooh, I was hoping that guy was going to get released, and we can go swoop him up. And that hasn't always been the story as far as the Raiders and their rosters goes from previous years, but this year in particular, there was a lot of, uh, of talent out there, a lot of young guys that are out there showing out that I've been able to see up close to personal, and uh, of course some veterans that are out there doing their thing as well, like a unique Ngakwe who he doesn't have to worry about making the roster, but He's out there setting the tone. Him and a Max Crosby defensively setting the tone for the defensive line. Continuing to encourage guys each and every rep. Get after it, Clee. Get after it, Malcolm. Come on, Koontz. Come on, let me see that juice. I mean, you hear that each and every rep. And then you see Crosby going. And if anyone follows me on Twitter, at your boy Q254, or the radio station in general, at r 920 uh, you can check it out. Uh, definitely got some videos up there of right now of some guys that were putting in a lot of work this morning, and you'll see the speed. That's something that stood out to me in a major way. And again, this is this is before pads are put on, so you don't want to get too excited, too fired up, and and think that this is going to be the fastest, most dominating defense you've ever seen, or or fastest, most dominating offense you've ever seen. Because there's guys offensively that are getting after it as well. But I'll tell you, I think it's a good step. I think it's a positive step in the right direction seeing these guys, the intensity, and the way that they're getting after it. And I feel like now, my first day here on the radio in Las Vegas, Radio Nation Radio 920, was July 15th. And that was absolutely the first day that I was on the air, and I was here at the facility. And I'm here at the facility today doing the, the show uh, from HQ. And it's, it's so funny because just in a, in a matter of basically less than a month, I feel like I'm a... I'm a usual here now, <laughs> you know, so it's almost like, hey, man, I'm here. It's all good. About to do the show. I roll in. I know security now. Like, I'm, 
I'm just an average everyday cat now, you know? I'm, I'm good to go. So uh, excited about the opportunity to be here once again. Was here earlier this morning, then ran back to the radio station, had a couple meetings, and boom, right back at HQ to do the show. And, uh, of course, excited about that opportunity. And, of course, myself, uh, JT the Brick, Vinny Bonsignor, throughout the course of the week will be doing our shows respectively from HQ. And then I'll be flying out on Thursday night, late Thursday night, flying out to Cleveland, Ohio, uh, to go to the Hall of Fame, you know, obviously uh, land in Cleveland and drive up to Canton and prepare to see Coach Tom Flair- Flores and also Charles Woodson inducted into the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's it, that's it doesn't get any better than that. It, it's just it, that's where it is. I don't think anyone who ever enters the NFL or even plays the game, I don't think anyone who plays any game ever imagines, hey, I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame. But at some point, you realize, wow, you know, my career has gone really, really well. And of course, at football, the ultimate team sport it's never really about your individual accomplishments because there's only one goal that you have each and every player of course you want to make money of course you want to be a successful player but you want to win that Lombardi you want to get that ring that's what every one of these players want to do so at some point in their career I guess they look back and say hey man this career is really really going really well but ultimately to think that hey I'm going to have an opportunity to be enshrined in, in Canton is probably not something that crosses a lot of these players and coaches minds but for Charles Woodson and Coach Tom Flores, it's something that's a reality, and it's going to happen this upcoming weekend. So excited about that. We'll definitely talk about that on the show today. My man, Damon Cotton, he's back in the studio. He went on a little bit of a hyenas on Friday. My man, Bobby, had to fill in for him. Damon just kind of had a, a wedding, and I say that in air quotes, and since Damon can't see me, I say that in air quotes. He had a wedding he had to attend. I think Damon just... Felt the heat and was like, man, I got to get out of here. This this queue is driving me crazy. I got to get out of here. So, Damon is live in studio. Welcome back. <laughs> Appreciate you being in studio, brother. It's glad I'm glad to be back, man. It's been a weekend. That's all I'll say. It's been a weekend, and I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad you're here, too. And, and I wanted to know, and I, po- I threw this question out there to Raider Nation on Friday when you were not here. I asked, is Damon at his sister's wedding or is his sister at Damon's wedding? So I just want to throw it out there, Demond, because a lot of times people, they, they leave from wherever they're at and they come to Vegas and they'll go get married. But it looked like Demond was uh, leaving Vegas to go to a wedding. So does Demond have a ring on his finger or was that truly y- your sister getting married? Truly my sister. Um, it was a destination <laughs> wedding out in the Virgin Islands. So oh, we, okay. I mean, you would think it would be like a, a nice little, um, you know, a nice little destination trip, like how you see on like reality TV shows in the yeah. movies. No, it was not. My sister's lovely wife is a local, so we were living the local life. Uh. Like we were, we and it was it was one of those. It was like, man, this is like the beaches and were nice, but like where we were staying, we we had the authentic experience. So what you're saying is that you thought you were in for one type of uh, a weekend and it ended up being completely opposite and you really didn't get the the frills and the thrills of the Virgin Islands. Exactly. <laughs> well, it was, welcome it was back. And then, the, and then the struggle of getting back, like I, you know, yeah. you know, flight back in Orlando, like spirit is like having like riots at some places because flights just keep getting canceled. Luckily, I made it back, had to catch another flight from Delta, but I was like, you know what? Making today's show, I got to make up for missing Friday. I got to be here for the show today. Yeah, you do, you know, and and, and you did miss out on uh, Friday's show. And uh, the president of the Hall of Fame, David Baker, was asking about you. He was wondering where you were. Don't say that. No, he was. Go back and listen. He was like, wait, hold on. I thought I was, I thought I was coming on with Q and Damon. And I said, I know, Damon, he, he had to bounce. He, he just didn't have time for you. 
So Sorry, many questions David. I wanted to ask him. What was it? You know, just stuff that he probably wouldn't answer. Like, how big are your hands? Like, you know, like, can he handle himself in a fight? Those type of things that, you know, he's probably not thinking about anymore. It's not, yeah, it's not a wrestling event, but he did, he did, he did note his size. I'll, I'll give you that. He did say, because I, I told him, hey, I'll be there. Uh, I look forward to running into you. And he said, well, Q, I'll be the, the big guy sweating in a suit. I'm six foot nine, and you probably won't be able to miss me. So uh, I look forward to seeing you as well. So there, there he goes. But no, it was it was great catching up with David Baker and just telling the stories of the Hall of Fame. And I know that that was a guest that you were looking forward to. So uh, I just wanted to go ahead and pass that along. Also, to you. how did he get the job? That would be because it's it's a very because as far as I know, he didn't have like a career in football, like not even like playing wise. I mean, like even like through the ranks of the NFL. So how do you get that job? Did you ask him that? No, I did not. I did not. But because see, if you had been there, that could have been right? a question you yeah, asked. Exa- exa- and I missed out. You know, you're guaranteed to miss a shot you don't take, and uh, you didn't even get out on the court. You didn't even come out the locker room. So it happens. It happens. But there'll be other days. Maybe this weekend I'll, I'll run into him and I'll ask him that question. I'll say, DeMond wants to know if uh, how, how you got the job at the Hall of Fame. But I'll tell you, it's a job that he's very proud of, a job that he has a lot of fun uh, doing and, and, and is very excited about. Uh, being able to be there for Coach Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. And I'm very excited about it. And, of course, we've been giving Coach Flores a ton of love because, well, he deserves it. Uh, it's been a long time coming since, uh, you know, the, he, he's, he should have been in a long time ago. Let's just put it like that. Uh, Charles Woodson, first ballot Hall of Famer, I don't think is no no doubting that at all. We all knew that he was going to go in. But, man, C. Wood, I mean, think about that. When, when C. Wood came into the league and when he was drafted as high as he was by the Raiders and when he beat out uh, Peyton Manning for the, you know, the Heisman and, you know, just all, everything he was able to do at Michigan, I mean, the guy has had such a storied career. Like I said, going back to college, uh, you got to give him a lot of props, man. I just, I, I'm, I'm so excited to be able to see him go into the hall as well. A guy that you know was a, a, a very good player when he was with the Raiders. Then he went away to Green Bay. Really, really matured. Really came back as a leader in a time when the Raiders really needed leadership in a major way. And uh, just so excited for him and, and, and to see what he was able to do, even at an older age, transition from being a corner to a safety and still you know, holding it down and, and being able to go sideline to sideline and pick off passes and, and just be that, that playmaker that the Raiders needed, even though it didn't result in a ton of wins. But at that time, a team that really, really needed the leadership of, uh, of Charles Woodson and you know, just to see him throw up the O at the Coliseum and really get the fan base behind him with that – just a, it was a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of exciting times with Charles Woodson in the silver and black. So he's going to be very well uh, appreciated and welcomed into Canton, Ohio this upcoming weekend. And there's going to be two fan bases that are going to be fighting over him. That's the thing about it. There's going to be two fan bases that are going to be fighting over him. No, he's a Raider. No, he's a Packer. No, he's a Raider. No, he's a Packer. <laughs> and look, I mean, he played for both organizations, obviously, and did some great things with both. But Man, uh, it, it's going to be funny, and it's going to be fun as well to see just all the love that, that he gets from both fan bases this, this weekend. And that's, that's really what it's all about, man, giving him his just due. And he's going to get that and then some this upcoming weekend. Coming up on the show, I have a couple, guests, uh, a couple good guests that I'm excited to, to talk about today and usually very excited to talk to the guests that we have coming up. And uh, the first one. Kind of a controversial one. Uh, Doug Kide, he's an NFL reporter for uh, Pro Football Focus. And the reason I'm having Doug on is because a lot of people over the weekend sent me tweets from him and sent me uh, his latest article on Pro Football Focus. And he's, you know, a guy, and, and we have guests on like this at times, that are very critical of what the Raiders organization has going on. 
you know, and, and that's just how it is. I mean, there's there's guys that are very opinionated. There's guys that talk to people in the organization. There's guys that write opinion, uh, write pieces, and you know, you have to go through it, and you have to you have to look at it and, and read it and digest it. And I like to break those kind of things down. So Doug is going to join us at two thirty. His latest piece is basically talking about first round draft pick Clee Furl, talking about first round draft pick Damon Arnett, and the fact that the Raiders are in win now mode, where they have to win now. So it doesn't matter where you're drafted at. It all depends on what you're doing on the field as where you're going to play. So if you're going to run with the second team, if you're going to run with the first team, it doesn't. it's not because based off, oh, well, he was drafted in the first round, he's got to be a starter. No, it's going to be based off of what you're doing on the field. And, again, first five days in practice, I can say that, you know, Cleve Furl's been doing work with the second team. But I wouldn't take a whole lot into that, especially right now. Again, this is the ramp-up period of, of uh, training camp. It's going to lead to pads tomorrow. Uh, I think that Klee in his in his situation is really going to be based off of different teams that the Raiders play. And for example, they play Baltimore week one. That's a very run-heavy team. Everyone from the quarterback to the running backs are all going to be run, 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 run. Yes, Lamar Jackson could throw the ball. Uh, I think he's going to be much more of a, 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 a weapon when he throws the rock through the, the down the middle of the field as opposed to the sideline and the, the boundaries. But that's neither here nor there. The situation is they're going to be on the ground. They're going to use the, the, the ground game a lot. So I think Klee's going to be very active in that game because he's a guy that's very good against the, against the rush. Now, it could be different when a team that is going to throw the ball around the yard a whole bunch, maybe Klee's not as active as he will be week one. I think that that's kind of his role. But again, that's without seeing anything in pads. That's without seeing any preseason game. That's without giving him that opportunity to, to learn Gus Bradley's scheme, learn what Rod Marinelli wants him to do, even though Rod Marinelli was uh, with the Raiders in 2020. Still, I mean, their concepts that they want to do, that's, that's, that's just me saying that after, after five days of practice. That has nothing to do with what is actually going to be going on during preseason. And we could see, uh, we could see something completely different at some point. Now, the other part of his article was about Damon Arnett. And we know Casey Hayward has been brought in as the veteran. He's been in Gus Bradley's scheme for quite a while. He knows what, what uh, he wants done. He, he knows what Coach Ron Milas wants done. I've mentioned Ron Milas before. Uh, very excited about what he brings to the table. I think he's going to be really good for this young secondary that the, the Raiders have. But, uh, you know, Damon Arnett, it looks like he's going to be into, in a camp battle with Casey Hayward. And that's okay. You know, for everyone who says he shouldn't be in a camp battle, he's a first-round draft pick, why not? Why not? You know, that, that's part of the problem that multiple teams around the league has had for years. And, and there's been times where the Raiders, you could say they were guilty of it as well. They played a guy based off where he was drafted, or they played a guy based off of how much money he was making instead of guys who earned the spot. So for Casey Hayward and Damon Arnett to battle it out in, in training camp for a potential spot, there's nothing wrong with that. And if Casey Hayward beats him out, then he beats him out. Then at some point when Damon Arnett's ready to get onto the field and make it happen, he'll do that. And it'll be up to him to get up to speed and be ready to go out there and roll. And that's really what they did when they drafted Trayvon Mullen in the second round out of Clemson. They let Garyon Conley run in front of him. And I don't know if anyone in Raider Nation thought that Garyon Conley was going to be the truth. I, I, just, I think that that was just a bad pick. I didn't like it from the, from the jump. Standing there in Philadelphia at the, at the, at the stairs of uh, the Rocky Steps there in Philadelphia when he got drafted. I just put my head down. Oh, no. <laughs> just, I never believed in that pick. I just never did. And I tried to convince myself to believe in it. 
And whenever you try to convince yourself to believe in uh, a pick or a player or something that your gut feeling tells you, nah, this ain't right, and then you just try to convince yourself, it usually is wrong. It usually is wrong. But I think that Damon Arnett has an opportunity. He's just got to have to go out there and really, really grind, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with grinding and earning a spot. It's even better. You know, he was, he was slotted as a day one starter in 2020, and it just didn't work out for multiple reasons. But they see that he has ability. He's just got to put it all together and be consistent. I think that's the biggest word, and that's something that Gus Bradley mentioned last week during the media sessions following practice. Consistency. There's some guys, and he mentioned Trayvon Mullen, who's consistent, consistent, consistent. He's always consistent. Guy like Damon Arnett, he'll have a good rep. He'll have a two good reps. He'll have three good reps, and then he'll have a bad rep. He's got to learn to put it all together and stay consistent. So uh, Doug's piece was basically on on Klee and on Damon Arnett and the fact that the Raiders are in win-now mode, which I don't think anyone in, in Raider Nation is going to be upset at that either. Who doesn't think that they should be in win-now mode? I do. I think they should be. Absolutely. This is year four under head coach John Gruden. I know he's he wants to win now. I guarantee he wants to win now. I see him out of practice. You know, I see I see the way that he's getting after it. He's getting after these guys even before the pads are on. He wants them to be the best that they could be. He's trying to put them in position to be successful. And on top of that, they have really good assistant coaches from Gus Bradley, Rich Basaccia, who talked to the media today, Ron Milas, I mentioned before, secondary coach, uh, Richard, Richard Smith, uh, linebacker coach, really, really good. All those guys are guys that have been there, done that throughout the course of the league and have really coached up some good some players that turned out to be great players. So uh, excited about what we'll see tomorrow, but excited to talk to Doug about his his piece and where where he thinks that the Raiders are going to be, uh, you know, in 2021. Also, we're scheduled at 3.30 to have former Raider fullback Marcel Reese on the show, and he's landing in town. I think he may be in town now. Uh, There's going to be a big alumni uh, get-together coming up pretty soon, and so a a lot of the Raiders are in town. And Marcel Reese, who is one of Raider Nation's favorites, you know, and and it's funny, uh, the fullback position always gets a lot of love, right? Marcel Reese was, man, he was a a fan favorite, still is a fan favorite, just a really good ambassador for the silver and black. And, of course, Alec Ingold now is the fullback position. He's a fun Raider as well. Uh, He's a guy that a lot of Raider Nation uh, roots for and gets excited for. So Marcel Reese is scheduled to join us as long as nothing kind of gets in his way. Scheduled to join us at 3.30, talk about training camp, talk about when pads go on, talk about the excitement of uh, Allegiant Stadium, having fans in the stands. I don't know if you saw the, the Gold Cup Sunday night. At Allegiant Stadium, I didn't. I didn't go to it, but I did watch it at home on TV. And man, you want to talk about a packed house? Sixty-one thousand fans going crazy. If it's that exciting for the Gold Cup, can you ex- understand how exciting it's going to be Monday Night Football versus the Baltimore Ravens? Oh man! And it's I can't go- wait to be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If you go, uh, you go uh, missing in action again like you did on Friday, you might not be there. Just saying. No, that's going to be the thing. We're going to be here. Like, I don't know if we're going to have time to do the show, uh, you know, but it's going to be like, ah, oh, man, let's do the show. It's like, no, nah, I'm already at the stadium, man. I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm, I'm going to be already packed in. Be like, nah, man, I'm already here. I'm, I'm at the stadium. What are you talking about? Show. <laughs> I'm right. getting ready for the game. <laughs> right. Locked I, I, in. 
<laughs> I will say, and DeMond, thanks for passing this on, uh, Marcel Reese is confirmed for 3.30. So uh, no scheduling issues. He will join us for sure at 3.30. So, DeMond, thank you uh, for reaching out and, uh, and getting that locked in and confirmed. So the couple guests that we have coming up on the show, Doug Kide, he'll join us at 2.30. NFL reporter for Pro Football Focus, uh, former Raider Marcel Reese will join us at 3.30 to talk all things training camp, talk about the upcoming season, excitement about having fans in Allegiant Stadium. And, of course, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you throughout the course of the show as well. Multiple ways you can get a hold of us, uh, 702-365-9200. That is the Raider Nation listener line. Let's go ahead and start things off. we got a very patient Gangster Raider on the line. What's on your mind today? Hey, what's up, Q? Just, you know, it's my favorite show, the only flavor on the station. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, I got to um, say I um, got to change my stance. I've been a little tough on Coach Gruden. You know what I'm saying? I had to step back and take a critical assessment. You know what I'm saying? Because the first last year, you know what I'm saying, not only did he have to move the team from uh, a whole other city and a whole other state, you know what I'm saying? He bought, he moved the team, and he didn't have an off season during the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? He still went eight and eight. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that's to be commended. And the last two years in Oakland, they didn't know they was going to be in Oakland or not. You know what I mean? And then he had to, you know, appease a fan base that was getting pretty much left behind, and while simultaneously entertaining and engaging a new fan base in a new um, community in a new city and trying to embrace them at the same time. And I think he did it flawlessly while still keeping the teams relevant, if you, especially if you take away the two um, long, um, later season debacles, you know, how they yeah. swooned at the end of the season. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you take away those and step back. I think Gruden did a um, pretty good job. So I'm not going to take that away from him. You know what I'm saying? I think this season – you know what I'm saying? He got a full off season. You know what I'm saying? He don't have to worry about moving. Got a brand new facility. He got his players in um, place pretty much. So I'm going to give him the um, bit for the doubt to say this is going to be like his first real year. We're going to see the real Chucky this year. You know what I'm saying? And I think we're going to really get it together, especially with the new defensive coordinator coming in. We should have a real defense and putting the players in the right place. You know what I'm saying? So I'm feeling good. I give Chucky the benefit of the doubt. You know, so I believe in Chucky again. I think we're going to get the real Chucky this time. And I apologize for calling him an unkind artist. You know what I'm saying? I called him a kind artist, I think, you know, a couple of shows ago. I think it was on your show when you was hosting with um, Vinny's show, I think. You know what I'm saying? But um, I believe in Chucky, and I think we're going to go 12-5 and five and finally make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to say that, and I want to let y'all know it's my favorite show. I want you to tell Scott I said what's up and, and hope he's doing well. No Gangster. doubt. No doubt. Appreciate the call, my man. Gangster Raider right there on a Monday feeling good. Woke up feeling good today. I'm not mad at that you know at what? all. It takes a big man to uh, sort of say he was wrong. Yeah, yeah, you know, and look, I- I'll say this. You know, I get it, man. I get it. I get why the, the fan base is frustrated without uh, a playoff berth. I I totally get it. You know, it's it's been a it's been a long time, and there are elements that you have to take into consideration, like Gangster Raider said right there. It's just, you know, it, it, it is – it is what it is. You've got to realize everything that they've had going on. But ultimately, at the end of the day, right, it's about wins and losses. And, you know, you, you expect this team to go out there and, and win games. The team that you go out there and you put your heart and soul into rooting for, you're hoping that they put their heart and soul into going out there and performing and getting it done. And I think what's hurt the most for Raider Nation is just the, like, like Gangster Raider said, the, the end of the season meltdowns. And I'll tell you, that's hurt 
that's hurt John Gruden, you know, sitting in the media session. And then, look, I, I'm not going to say, like, I've been sitting in media sessions for years with Coach John Gruden, but for the multiple ones that I've sat in so far that last week, two of them to be exact, you could tell that those are something that weighs heavy on him. He is a dude that, that wears his emotion on his sleeve, and I don't think that's breaking news. I think everyone knows that, but, I mean, this, this is real to him. This is not, you know, he's not just in here for the fun and games of it. He wants to win. That's why everything that's going on, and that's why when we talked to Doug Kite about the Raiders are in win-now mode, that's something Josh Jacobs brought up on Saturday. He said, hey, John Gruden's all in on winning now. It's not about trying to develop players and trying to get the most out of them and so at some point they can they could be, you know, a, a winning team, a winning organization. No, he wants to win right now. He's tired of this, you know, four and twelve, seven and nine, eight and eight. I mean, he wants to win. And I don't blame him. <laughs> I do not at all. You know, people talk about his record since he returned to the sideline. He doesn't want to hear that. He wants to go out there and win games. And this team wants to go out there and win games. And the owner of the team wants to go out there and win games. This whole organization is trying to win games for their fan base and for, you know, their their former Raider players. And just everyone that rocks the silver and black, they are trying to go out there in a brand new city and win a lot of games, get into the playoffs, and make their, their fan base be proud of them. The Vegas Golden Knights have done a heck of a job going out there and, and, and getting that fan base fired up. And they, they're, they're around town loud and proud. You know, the Raiders are ready to do the same thing, and they know that they're going to open up this brand-new stadium. Well, it's, it was brand-new last year, but brand-new for the fans this year, and they want their fan base to be proud of the product they put out there on the field. That's something I can tell you just from the few days that I've been around here at the facility. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the win-now mode that John Gruden is in and why that may cost a little bit of playing time for a guy like Cleve Furrow, a guy like Damon Arnett. We'll talk to Doug Kide. He's an NFL reporter for Pro Football Focus. He's doing a training camp run. He's kind of going to every training camp uh, around the NFL. And so we're going to talk all things Raiders with Doug. We'll do it next. I'm live right now at Raiders headquarters in in, in Henderson. <laughs> Almost told you Houston. Not in Houston. I'm in Henderson. And uh, this, is, this is unnecessary rough. This on Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. What's up, Raider Nation? This is uh, Hall of Famer Tim Brown. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs> What's up, Raider Nation? This is Hall of Famer Tim Brown, and you listen to Raider Nation 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Your boy Q, live from the headquarters of the Raiders in Henderson, Nevada. Very excited to be here in the nice production studio that they have. And uh, also pleased to have on the phone lines a guy who's been doing a lot of touring of training camps as they're open all across the NFL, uh, including the Raiders. I was at training camp earlier today, and pads go on tomorrow. But uh, welcome to welcome into the show Doug Kide from Pro Football Focus. You can find Doug on Twitter, at Doug, K-Y-E-D, that's Doug. Doug Kite. And Doug, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Uh, I know it's an exciting time as training camp is opening and, and all, all kind of football activities is actually going on. And we're seeing something a little bit closer to normal as opposed to last year. But wanted to talk to you about the Raiders and the piece that you put out about it's, it's win now time for the Raiders and John Gruden. And he's really focused on winning something Josh Jacobs mentioned on Saturday. So before we get into specific players, uh, what are your just initial thoughts and what are you hearing about the win now mode that the Raiders are in? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you said it best. They are in win-now mode right now. Um, if that means playing some veteran players over guys that they draft highly, that they're not necessarily 
uh, you know, ready to play, then that's what it means. You know, I think that there's some pressure on the Raiders right now uh, to be as good as humanly possible. They made, made the move to Las Vegas. Um, they, it seems like they've got a decent enough roster. They're in a really talented division. So now they just have to try to put it all together and actually get, get some more wins in the win column this year. So I think that's obviously the goal for every team. Um, they are in a difficult division, like I said. Uh, but, yeah, that's the mentality that they've got right now. Win now. And how much of the win now, and I think that, I mean, it's been a long time since the Raiders have been into the playoffs and really had a, a real legit shot at making a deep run in the playoffs. I don't really consider 2016 that season since Derek Carr wasn't playing. But how much of that do you think has to do with also the success that is going on with the Vegas Golden Knights uh, here in town? That's a good question. I think that that puts some extra pressure on them. But I think it's also just, like I said, the, the pressure from within their division, the fact that the, the Chiefs have been so good uh, for the last few years here now, uh, the fact that uh, you know the, the Chargers could be on the rise with Justin Herbert at quarterback, the Broncos haven't quite figured out the quarterback position, but the rest of that roster looks pretty good as well. So I think that it could be a matter of both of those things, pressure from within the city, but then also within the division. Talking right now with Doug Kide from Pro Football Focus. He's an NFL reporter here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And, you know, you mentioned a few players, and you mentioned having some veterans in front of them, and so they might not get as much action. And one guy is Cleve Farrell. Let's talk about him first. He's a guy, to me, I kind of feel like we know who he is. He was drafted at number four overall. I think that, you know, Raider Nation always kind of holds that against him, even though he didn't select himself at number four overall, but but they still kind of hold that against them. Uh, do you think that he'll be a guy that you'll really probably see more when they're playing a team such as the Baltimore Ravens that are a very run-heavy team? I could see that. I think that he'll probably be in a rotation uh, with some of those other defensive ends on the roster. A lot of teams are doing that recently where you know they kind of split the time 60-70%. So maybe with a guy like Max Crosby, um, you know, maybe Max Crosby could be used a little bit more on, on third down, maybe first down as more of a pass rusher. You might see Cleveland Farrell a little bit more in the run game. Obviously not ideal that you use the number four overall pick on a guy who is in a rotation. But like you said, he didn't pick himself. Uh, he might basically be who he is at this point. So you might as well play him to his strengths. What do you think you need to see, or what do, what do the Raiders in general need to see from Clee this, uh, this training camp and preseason for him to be able to take that next step? Well, it's tough because he, he is playing in a room with some talented players. Max Crosby you know, has outplayed his draft status at this point. Um, then you, know, you talk about being in the same room as, as Yannick Ngakwe, so it might be kind of tough to pass him on the depth chart as well. Um, so it, it's I don't know exactly what it is that he'll have to do. I think just prove that he can be maybe a more complete player uh, to be a heavier part of that rotation or even start to get some of those starting snaps in there. And with this being a very important year, I mean, at this point next year, the Raiders have got to make a decision. Are they going to pick up the fifth-year option on not only him, but Josh Jacobs and, and Jonathan Abram as well? And I think right now, uh, I think we all know the answer to Josh Jacobs, but the other two guys, they have a lot to prove. So this could be one of those big years. And, and like you said, there may be some veterans playing in front of a couple of these guys if they're not doing exactly what the team wants them to do. Uh, how big of a year do you think this could potentially be for Cleve Farrell in general just for that whole contract and that fifth-year option? And it is. It's, it's kind of a, a prove-it year for him. Like you said, Jonathan Abram in that same category, kind of a prove-it year for him. I think that, you know, in order to pick up that, that fifth-year option at this point, especially if you're a guy drafted as high as, as Cleveland Farrell, 
you you basically have to kind of be a, a superstar to to have right. that picked up. And he hasn't obviously got to that point. Maybe this is the year that that turns around for him. Uh, but to, you know, pay someone as much as you have to when you're drafted in the top five, you have to be a really good player. So at this point, it's probably looking a little bit more unlikely. But anything could happen this year. And I guess the same thing would go for Jonathan Abram. You know, in order to pick up that fifth year option, you've got to be a really good player. It's a little bit easier for him since he was drafted 27th overall. They wouldn't have to spend as much money on it. So I'd say that's a little bit more likely there. But He's another guy that has to step up. As you mentioned, I work for Pro Football Focus. Jonathan Abram certainly has some strengths to his game, but he was the lowest-graded starting safety in the NFL last season. So there are some things with coverage. There are some things with protecting against the deep ball that he definitely has to improve on this season. Talking with Doug Kide right now from Pro Football Focus here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and sticking with Jonathan Abram, how much do you think it may help him to be able to slide him up into the box in Gus Bradley's scheme where he's more of a, almost a Cam Chancellor type guy instead of playing that, that deep safety role? I think that could definitely be huge for him. I think that you know the Gus Bradley system, that, that old Seahawks system that, that's been in the league for the last 10 or so years, it's, it's very effective. And you certainly need talented players to be playing in it. But for some players, it is, it's easier. It's a little bit more structured, um, especially at cornerback where you're basically playing in a cover three a lot of the time. Uh, you know, you know what you're doing. And then as far as the safeties go as well, yeah, there, there's a, probably going to be less responsibility for Jonathan Abrams to be playing deeper down the field. He could be that, that heavy hitter that everyone knows that he is playing in sort of that pseudo linebacker safety type role. So definitely could be a, a situation where this is just a system that fits him quite a bit better than, than what he was in before. You know, and Doug, there's been a lot of draft capital thrown into the secondary. John Gruden's mentioned it multiple times. You're talking about Jonathan Abram, talking about Damon Arnett, who we'll get to in just a minute, Trayvon Merrick this year, second-round safety, Trayvon Mullen a couple years ago, second-round corner. I mean, there's been a lot of draft capital thrown into the secondary. This is one of these situations where they almost have to get it. You know what I mean? It's like they almost have to go and and succeed with all the capital that they've used in that that secondary. And it's weird. I'd say that in recent years, it's been harder to project, especially cornerbacks coming out of the NFL draft. You kind of you see a decent amount of those first and second round cornerbacks, and it just doesn't click for them right away. And I think that you might expect that a little bit more on offense, where you know they're coming from college players are coming from more simplistic systems. But you actually are seeing it in the passing game on defense as well. I'm not quite sure why that is. So. Yeah, it, they've used a lot of draft capital, like you said, lots of first and, first and second round picks. Hasn't clicked for them yet, but, you know, the change in system, bringing in some extra guys, I think that could help this season. Even having a veteran presence like Casey Hayward, that could certainly help as well since he actually has that experience in, in Gus Bradley's system. And that leads me right to Damon Arnett. He was a first-round draft pick, number 19 overall, just a year ago. And his rookie season, I think he'd tell you that it wasn't good. You know, he had uh, multiple injuries. He had COVID. He just wasn't able to stay on the field. And and when he was on the field, it wasn't playing at the level that even he wanted to play at. So what does Damon Arnett have to do? And now with Casey Hayward being brought into the fold, a veteran who knows Gus Bradley's scheme, what does Damon Arnett have to do in training camp? How big of a battle is he going to be in for uh, this training camp to, to get on the field? You know, it's tough. It, I, I would preface this by saying that, you know, they weren't in pads yet uh, or they haven't been in pads yet. It's, it's still early, so obviously we're seeing him playing on the second team, um, but that could change, I'd say. That being said, 
I'm not sure if you will be passing Casey Hayward. I'm not sure if you will be passing, you know, Nevin Lawson and, and Trayvon Mullen uh, on that on that cornerback depth chart. But I think that he needs to prove it on and off the field. I, I've heard that there are there were some kind of off-field struggles that he had this offseason that I heard that he is doing better. So that's obviously a good sign that there has been some improvement off the field. But I think it's just about being consistent on the field as well, uh, fitting into Gus Bradley's system, which I have heard hasn't been the, the easiest thing for him at this point. He's a taller cornerback, six feet, but he does have shorter arms, just 30-inch arms, which you know usually in that Seahawks-Gus Bradley system – you see those really long cornerbacks. I think mm-hmm. back to you know the Seahawks in 2012, 2013, when they had Brandon Browner and Richard Sherman. These right. guys who were six foot three, long arms, defending those deep balls on in uh, you know cover three. That's not really Damon Arnett. So curious to see if they try to move him to the slot. Curious to see if he can pass those other guys outside. Um, but it is tough. It's like we talked about with Cleveland Farrell. When you give up the the 19th overall pick to draft Damon Arnett, and then you're sitting in year two, and he's kind of struggling to, to find the first team field, that, that's a difficult situation. I think that they, they need to figure out if he can be that guy for them. And, and, Doug, you know, you mentioned not really fitting into Gus Bradley's scheme, and, of course, Bradley wasn't the defensive coordinator when they drafted, uh, you know, Damon Arnett. It was uh, Paul Gunther. But now that Bradley's here, is there any, you know, and you mentioned maybe, you know, slide him into another position, but is there anything that you think that Gus Bradley could do schematically to help Damon Arnett get onto the field, even if it's not in a starting role, but just get onto the field so he can contribute? Because he does have some skills. I think it's more personally like a, a, a press man coverage, but that's not what they run. They run the cover three scheme a lot so is there something you think he could do schematically to help Damon get on the field I think you know teams play so many defensive backs at this point anyway I I I covered the Patriots last season and you know I felt like half their defensive snaps were coming with six or seven defensive backs on the field so even if Damon Arnett can't find necessarily a, a starting role in that secondary I do think that get him snaps play him as either that you know a nickel if you can get up there play him as a dime play him in quarters if you have to, just to get him on the field, get him a little bit more comfortable. Then maybe you can see him getting out there, making more plays, getting a little bit more comfortable in that system. And once again, like I said, not the greatest thing to be dealing with that with the 19th overall pick, but I think that they can still work around it. I think that they can still figure something out with him where, you know, the the future is not written for him yet. He absolutely could still be a starter in the NFL. He could still be a starter uh, with the Raiders. Maybe he does click a little bit more in Gus Bradley's system, um, but maybe not, maybe not in a starting role right away for him. Talking right now with Doug Kide from Pro Football Focus. You can find Doug on Twitter at Doug Kide, and that's K-Y-E-D. And talking really some secondary right now, and Nevin Lawson's a guy that the Raiders have kept around for quite a while. Uh, some Raider Nation love him, some Raider Nation don't. But either way, he's still, he's still a, a member of the team, and he's been around. He's going to be suspended for the first game of the season. Do you think that that may be a little bit of a crack, a little opening of the door that can help uh, Damon Arnett or, or any other young secondary member get onto the field earlier? Definitely. No, that absolutely could help. I know that the Raiders also you know, drafted Nate Hobbs this year. They've got some young cornerbacks on that roster. So, yeah, I mean, that's another situation where, you know, it, Nevin Lawson sitting out week one with the suspension. If Damon Arnett can start over, it could start that game. And then maybe if he's got a big game, if he puts it all together in that game, then, yeah, that could be an opportunity for one of those younger cornerbacks. Like you said, Nevin Lawson has been around for a while, hasn't always been the most consistent player. So it shouldn't be – impossible 
to, to move your way up that depth chart on the Raiders roster. It's just about proving it on and off the field. And Casey Hayward, he didn't have the greatest season last year with the Chargers statistically. By pro football focus, didn't do really well. Do you think he has an opportunity to kind of rejuvenate himself and kind of get back to the Casey Hayward he was a couple seasons ago uh, as opposed to what he was last year? Yeah, I think that, you know, being back in that Gus Bradley system and uh, I know that he was in that last year with Gus Bradley as right. well, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, maybe just it, – it, it's tough. He is, a, he is an older cornerback. Um, he's, what, 32 or 33 at this point. So you never know when it starts to fade for those guys. Maybe last year was kind of a sign um, that it is slowing down for him. Um, but I think that you still also need that veteran presence on your roster. And I think that having him as a guy who has had experience in that system – uh, is valuable one way or the other. But, I mean, like I just said with Nevin Lawson, same thing could go with Casey Hayward. It's not like they, they're ensuring and guaranteeing Casey Hayward a starting role. I think there is still some experimentation going on there uh, in the Raiders' secondary, and that group could look a lot different in week one than it does right now. Um, but, as we said earlier, they're in win-now mode. So if that means playing the veterans that they think give them the best chance in week one or week two in Nevin Lawson's uh, case, then I think that those are the guys who are going to be on the field. You know, and it's funny, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, if, if that's the case, if, if some guys, some young guys happen to sit on the, on the sideline for, for you know, a little while as the season goes along because they are in that win-now mode, that's okay because that's just competition. That's creating competition. It's going to make those young guys fight a little bit more to get on the field and, and show what they can do. And I think that that competition is great for everyone. And, and, Doug, this has been great. Before I let you go, I know you're on a tour of NFL training camps. You're kind of checking out everybody. You're on the road. Uh, where, what camp are you headed to next? I'm going to Washington tomorrow, uh, Baltimore on Wednesday, Ooh. and then the Giants on Thursday. Uh, and then I, my home base is in New England, so I'll, I'll probably be back in the Patriots pretty soon too. But, yeah, definitely pretty exciting to be in those, uh, those next three teams coming up here, see what's going on there. Uh, definitely some intriguing players on those teams. Absolutely, and that's going to be a lot of fun. We're definitely going to have to make sure we pay attention to what you got going on and what you're putting out. Uh, before I let you go, last question for you. Uh, Ron Milas, he's the, the secondary coach for the Raiders. He came along with Gus Bradley. Uh, I'm excited about him. He looks to me as a, as a really good teacher, not just a coach, but a really good teacher. Uh, from what you know from the NFL and covering the NFL as long as you have, what do you know about Ron Milas? You know what? I don't know a lot about Ron Milas. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you might have to tell me a little bit about, about Ron Miles. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll work. That ain't hey, nothing wrong with that. You know, honesty is a good thing. I appreciate that. No, he does. He seems like he's a really good teacher. And, and you know, when there's a young secondary, uh, these guys need a teacher as well as a coach. So uh, I just I think that he's got the opportunity to really be, uh, you know, a, a good influence on these young guys. And, and maybe, hey, maybe help them get onto the field uh, early, sooner rather than later. So, uh, Doug, great stuff, man. I definitely appreciate you. Uh, follow you on Twitter at Doug Kai. That's at D-O-U-G-K-Y-E-D Pro Football Focus does a great job there I appreciate your time this afternoon my man be safe out there and enjoy what you got coming up absolutely Ron Miles former Husky I'm a fan already (laughs) there you go Appreciate you, Doug. There he goes. Yes. <laughs> Doug Kide right there. He's a, he's a fan of Ron Milas because he's a former Husky, and that's nothing wrong with that. I definitely appreciate that. So uh, good stuff right there, just kind of breaking down his, his latest piece that a lot of folks sent to me over the weekend and was thinking, hey, what's, what's going on? And especially a lot of people alarmed by what he had to say about you know Damon Arnett and some issues off the field, but everything sounds like it's coming together, and he doesn't really have those issues off the field, that they might have been a little something-something there, but not really 
really now. So that's that's a very good positive. So uh, thank you to Doug for that time. I definitely appreciate it. 2.47 is the time. I'm live at Raiders headquarters in Henderson. Uh, got a whole nother hour for you coming up at the top of the hour. Cover three NFL news and notes of the day. We'll go around the league. Carson Wentz and his upcoming surgery or surgery he's having today is the big story. But uh, before we get to that, we got to close out hour number one, and we'll do that next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. We are back from uh, Raiders headquarters in Henderson. Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Damon Cotton, behind the wheels of steel, back in the home studios. Just got a couple minutes here as we close out hour number one of the show. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll have cover three NFL news and notes of the day. The biggest news, Carson Wentz, quarterback, for the Colts, well, normal things happen to certain guys, and, and consistent things happen to certain guys, and Carson Wentz is one of those guys, unfortunately, that just gets hit with that injury bug, and uh, that's a big one. He gets hit with it again over the weekend. The news started to roll out, and then today it rolls out about him having surgery and is going to be out from 5 to 12 weeks, which is a huge window, so you don't really know if he's going to be out for a very small amount of time or if he's going to be out for the long haul. So it's just something to continue to monitor. But, of course, it's got a lot of speculation across the NFL what the Colts are going to be willing to do uh, with their quarterback situation. It just stinks for Carson Wentz because it's just the same old thing uh, again. And I know he's probably been working his tail off to get out there and get this opportunity and get a fresh start with the new team, and boom, hit with the injury bug. Again, but I did want to pass along a couple news and notes that have to do with the Raiders. Jalen Richard, who was on the COVID-19 reserve list last week, he was placed on that uh, with running back Theo Riddick. Theo Riddick ended up retiring on Friday. Uh, Jalen Richard was back at practice today. John Gruden mentioned it on Saturday. He expected him to be back today. He, in fact, was. He was out there working uh, with the team and uh, looked like Jalen Richard, looked like himself, looked like he was good to go. So he was back, and uh, that transaction, when they made that one to bring him back, uh, activate him from the COVID-19 list. They eventually released running back Darius Jackson. So Jalen Richard in and Darius Jackson out. There was just a couple little notes. Uh, Denzel Good today at practice was not practicing, but we did see him working out in the weight room. So that's just a that's something. That's something to continue to to monitor as well. But uh, he did look look like he was in good spirits just out there in the in the weight room as we walked by. We were walking. I was walking to go look at some of the defensive players and just happened to look up and see Denzel Good was in the in the weight room working out with uh, Deuce with Deuce Gruden, and Deuce was looking pretty swole, by the way. <laughs> I told Cassie Soto, I said, "You ain't gonna go tell Deuce that he doesn't look like he's got his swole on today. You ain't gonna go tell him that." And, she kind of looked at me like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. That dude be hitting the iron. So, uh, yeah, that's where uh, Denzel Good was. He was uh, in the weight room working out uh, with Deuce Gruden. So uh, I'm not too sure exactly if that was just a, an, a design off day or what was the, what the plan with that. But uh, we'll see a lot more tomorrow as pads uh, take place and, and, and pads are put on and, and they're ready to rock and roll. Uh, so that's just a couple little notes that have to do with the Raiders. Uh, also today, special teams coach, and assistant head coach Rich Basaccia talked to the media. Wide receiver John Brown talked to the media. Guard Richie Incognito talked to the media. And wide receiver Hunter Renfro. And I don't know, and Damon, you could just say it on the air. Do you have that one uh, Richie Incognito soundbite ready or no? Yes, I do. 
All right. I just want to play this real quick. I thought this was a really good soundbite from Richie Incognito from earlier today. And I know JT played uh, his whole his whole media session. It was good because Richie is that veteran. And now he's a leader on that offensive line now that Rodney Hudson's gone, now that Gabe Jackson's gone. Now he is the, the leader. Him and Colton Miller are the leaders. So basically, Richie Incognito is talking about expectations and guys coming in and, and, and the, the fact that it's not – you know, it, it's it's a better mindset. It's more focused right now. Here's here's Richie Incognito speaking to the media earlier. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest generational gap is the music. <laughs> the music these guys listen to is terrible. <laughs> it's all the same. I mean, it's it, it's nauseating. Um, but uh, no, I you know I'm a, I'm a I'm a single guy, so I I. I get where they're coming from. You know, I've, I don't have a wife. I don't have a kid. So I hang with the boys, me, Andre, Colton, uh, all the guys on the line. So there's not too much of a, a big gap. Um, you know, the biggest thing I see is just it's this will be a broad generalization. I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but, you know, not a lot of uh, not a lot of the guys that come in get it, you know, about the grind, about the hunger, about, you know, when I when I came in, it was be quiet, get in the weight room, earn your reps, earn your spot. Now these guys come in and it's, you know, Instagram and Twitter and all this, all this hype and, uh, you know, oh, I did this in college and they kind of live off that. And, uh, you know, it takes them a year or two or three to, to learn what it takes to stick at this level. And a lot of them, you know, don't learn it till they're out. So I think, uh, you know, that's what I'm constantly on the guys about. You know, you got to be hungry every day. You got to grind. You got to, you got to really want this with every ounce of your body and just, you know, put everything you have into it. So, um, yeah, I don't feel too old out there. I'm getting up there, but I don't feel too old. So there's Raiders guard Richie Incognito right there and kind of combined the little sound bites talking about the generational gap. Is there a generational gap? He kind of talked about, about the music that the guys are listening to. And then you heard him talk about, you know, guys coming in there and, and really trying to be focused and, and let it be known what they need to do. And, you know, not worried about Twitter, not worried about TikTok, not worried about social media, not worried about what you did in college or where you were drafted. You know, that's going back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, Doug Kide is it's not about where you were drafted. It's about going out there and performing and winning. And so Richie Incognito, right now is is that leader you know as as mentioned him and Colton Miller are those leaders on the offensive line and those guys all need to be together they all need to be on the same page for this new offensive line to work so Andre James who he said that they work out and, and hang out together and uh, you know if, if it's going to be John Simpson or Denzel Good I'm assuming that, that Denzel Good's going to get that right guard position but he's going to have to earn it you know and then Alex Leatherwood the first round draft pick he's going to have to earn it as well and I'll tell you you want to talk about a focused young man that is a focused young man man and it's so funny seeing him in the media session and what we had on Saturday he was there and you know he's just very respectful and it's so funny just kind of looking at at him as a big big old offensive lineman you know that in the trenches it it gets nasty down there but him talking to the media anytime you ask him a question it's yes sir no sir you know and uh, John Gruden was asked if he feels like he's a a veteran you know or or he has that look of a veteran and and, and Gruden said yeah he's played 15 games he won a national championship with Alabama. He is he is basically a veteran. And then a, when when uh, Alex Leatherwood was asked about, it, he said, "Well, I'm not really a a, a veteran, but you know I I've, I do have a lot of experience just because played a lot of games at Alabama, the coaching at Alabama, uh, you know the expectations there. But just I mean, seems like a down to earth dude. Seems like a dude who's just hungry to go out there and work. And when he's out there on the field, there is no laughing, there is no joking. I think I saw him playing the air guitar a little bit earlier today, and that was for about two quick seconds, and I think he realized that a couple people saw him, and he immediately stopped. I mean, he is locked and loaded, very focused. I'm excited to see Alex Leatherwood 
when they put the pads on. I really am. So uh, we'll get back to some more sound from today's media session uh, a little bit later. But coming up next, we're going to kick off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness. We'll do it with Cover 3, NFL News and Notes of the Day. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.